1: The way we grew up is like it's it's hard to even explain. It's the violence, bro. The violence when you have violence on that high or on that extravagant of a level, everybody's going to pay attention. You have to be that that violent man it's just like this is war and that's like how it is in prison we got a good one today you
0: guys my guest is Maddie Boy he is the hottest up and coming rapper in the Bay area he's from a little town called Rodeo this dude is a gangster before he started rapping he was the creator of Fame the family affiliated Irish Mafia they're an offshoot of the Aryan Brotherhood prison gang and are one of the most notorious and violent Irish street gangs in America this dude has an incredible journey he started off selling crystal meth at the age of 13 by the age of 20 he was shot calling and gang banging in prison he caught a huge federal dope case in 2004 went away and did 10 in the feds came home he's been rapping ever since And yo, this dude is nice. Go check out his music. We've never had anyone like this on the podcast. You're going to love this episode. Go check us out for bonus content over at patreon.com slash the connect show. Without further ado, it is my great pleasure to give you Matty Boy right here on The Connect with Johnny Mitchell. The crazy part about it, man,
1: is that we grew up around every day, the Betrayals, the lifestyle, the seeing my parents' best friends become their enemies. And bro, when your whole life is used to f- the nastiest parts of everything, you become numb. That's when I see lights behind me
0: start to flash. And I didn't even think, I just hit it. I was driving like my life depended on it. And then I parked the car, hopped out, closed the door, and I started running. And he pulls out a burner, shanks like six inches. And then he passes it to me. And he goes, here, that's yours. Don't ever leave the cell block without this. He was the reason I made it out of that place alive. Everybody drinks coffee. This the first time i seen black people drink coffee was in prison. Oh, and they were strung out on that shit. Oh, they would drink it before bed. Yeah. I had, yeah. I had this one, Sally, he was like, man, I can't sleep without this shit. I'm like, I'm pretty sure these are like the wrong drugs. Yeah. Going. Those are supposed to be opioids that help you go to sleep.
1: It's not that, caffeine. The, the uh, adverse effect. Yeah. How some people do the uppers and it goes down. And right. So, well, that's what cocaine does to a lot of people that are hyperactive. I don't know if you've seen White Bricks, but that was me in what cocaine is that? mode. The song. Oh One no! Of my songs.
0: Okay, I, I well, first let's talk about that. I mean, Maddie, I, I don't think a lot of white rap seriously. I'm from the old school. I see a white guy
1: rapping, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't add up. But your shit's really good. When I grew up on that kind of music, my whole life was uh, oldies, Motown. Like it wasn't until I was. Man, probably when I came home from state prison, where like the country started getting like mixed in. Like the older my father got, the more he liked country. Mm. But when we were kids, it was all country music. music in my house: Marvin Gaye, right, uh, Temptations, all that type of stuff. It was never. Well, I mean f- Willie Nelson. I think Willie Nelson was the only one that uh, <laughs> the uh, artist that I ever heard about that wasn't like uh, black. But you grew up in a
0: white Irish American tiny little neighborhood in the Northeast Bay, the Bay area, San Francisco, Oakland. Then you go North, there's Vallejo. And then you're from a little town called Rodeo. Rodeo. Like Rodeo drive in Beverly Hills. Exactly
1: like Rodeo drive.
0: (laughs) But nothing like Rodeo
1: drive though. (laughs) No, but it wasn't an, there wasn't a community of us. It was like once, once we made it like, uh, maybe popular or whatever. Then everybody started. It was like, I think it's cool to be Irish or something. Like there was that little phase where, right. But, um, well, I think it gives white people an ethnicity. Yeah. Right?
0: Like I'm Irish. It's, it it's gives, like an it identity gives, or
1: something. Totally. It's yeah. like how Italians can be able to say I'm Italian. Right. But yeah. in reality, you know, but my dad was like infatuated with being Irish, man. It was like, that's something that he took a lot of pride in. So like, we obviously carried that with us as well. Mm. You know, it was like Irish being Irish and, uh, just like everything that came with it, reading about our history and all that just like gave us something to be proud of, man. You yeah. know what I mean? So then our influence started influencing others. So it wasn't, it's not, I don't want to say that Rodale is any kind of Irish community because I would be misleading. people. Is it a black community? No, Rodale was just like, now it's just like, uh, it's like a run town, man. It's, uh, parts of it still look nice. Like where we lived up on the Hill was a nice area. Mm. But like when my mom bought that house, it was 50 grand. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you got like, uh, the projects over there by the refinery. And then like the nicer parts of Rodale would mm. be like viewpoint, um, places up there by, uh, the school, the little, uh, Hillcrest school or whatever. Mm-hmm. But It was like, we, I feel like my mom and my dad brought a lot of the crazy shit to Rodale. Like once upon a time, I feel like Rodale was probably a nice little town. Well, it's fascinating because it's in the same area as San
0: Francisco and Silicon Valley, one of the richest places in the world. But then the suburbs, the Northeastern suburbs are pretty hood. Yeah. You know, like we, Richmond, Vallejo, these are, these birthed, you know the
1: best gangster rappers that we grew up with. Yeah, but bro, but like when I was driving through here, like a lot of how it looks. Like when if you was to drive through Richmond and then drive through this these places, mm-hmm. it would look almost identical.
0: You can't tell because you- it, and it's hard to tell from the outside that it's a slum because the sun's always shining. You know, everybody's got like a small, nice little house on a piece of land, but the murder rate, oh yeah, is
1: insane. Yeah, drug dude. dealing rampant drugs bro the drugs were major in the in that area because of the bikers too i feel like the bikers mm-hmm. had a big influence right there and then like so my dad came home from prison in 1976 and um tried to try to work and do the normal life and then jumped right back into everything so like that whole meth trade was something that my brother and i grew up on mm. so all the the like the um I don't know, the criminal lifestyle and all that type of shit was something that was very centered in where we was growing up. All right. So your dad was a drug dealer. Was he a biker as well? Well, my dad was a biker, but he was more like, um, so my dad went to prison in 69, got out in 76. So he was around when like the prison gangs really started flourishing Mm -hmm. so my dad's ties were to the white prison gangs but then he came out and started affiliating with some of the uh the biker clubs or whatever Mm. and people that were affiliated with them and then who are the biker clubs in the east bay uh the hell's angels Uh uh-huh what about mongols uh no i don't think that um i don't think we have them up there right you know what i mean
0: they're like kind of a more latino Biker well, I, gang.
1: Yeah. And, and I think they're, they're beefing with them guys too. So the territory thing is probably something that is sketchy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah, you guys ain't going to come up here and start a biker club because we're whatever they are.
0: Hell's angels are
1: mostly white. They're a white
0: biker gang. We have them in Oregon, Washington and California. They're in kind of that like central part of the state from reading, you know, through the, the East Bay, all the way down yeah, to San Francisco. Oakland, yeah, Richmond down to parts Modesto. of like Modesto. Right. And it's fascinating because they're completely out of sight from like high profile criminal groups. Yeah. You don't really hear a lot about them. You hear about the Sinaloa cartel every other day in the news. Yeah. You hear about, you know, black gang bangers in, uh, you know, urban neighborhoods, but this is like the biker gangs. They're, they're, Suburban, but they're almost rural. They're in these little small places like Rodeo,
1: which is an un- unincorporated community, by the yeah. way. Well, I think it's a like a maybe a the sophisticated criminal outlook or something. You know, we're not criminals. Is their attitude right? You know, we're a club, mm-hmm. so right. they don't want to probably get to that kind of reputation. You know of what I course. mean? So, well, it's a little late. We all. <laughs> Yeah, so I
0: think they've got the reputation for it.
1: Yeah, but I'm talking about constantly in the news, it's kind of right. more like something where, uh, the bad reputation that they used to have, I feel like they was trying to shy away from that a little mm-hmm. bit and make it look more, more sophisticated or something. And this is just me assuming, you know what I mean? From the outside looking in, I ain't never had somebody. I think Tell you're me. right.
0: I think you're right. They're probably trying to go more mainstream.
1: Yeah. Like we're not we're not a gang. We started club. bringing in normal people, people that work every day. Oh, really? you know what I mean? Oh. They have nine to fives to where I'm sure back in the beginning it was like rebels. Yeah, we're you know one percenters. I mean? Hell yeah. We're literally people that are we, doing what
0: we want to do. We call ourselves one percenters. We are the one percent of bike gangs who commit crime. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so and I feel like they slowly started transitioning right. into like yeah bringing people in that are like normal that makes citizens sense. that makes sense not to keep like beating the dead dog with the biker things but my mom was married to a hell's angel so in the uh the laughlin thing when they that whole like serious beef thing kicked off mm-hmm. my mom's husband allegedly is the guy that threw the kick i don't so, even know about that so the laughlin there was a big uh hell's angel mongol I think people died. They had a shootout in the oh, casino. in
0: uh Texas? Or no, it was in Oklahoma? Like the, where, where the Loughlin? Three Points
1: meet. It's like Nevada, oh, California, right, right. and somewhere else, right? Arizona. Arizona? Oh, so, okay.
0: Wow. Dude, I, there's always, it seems like every few years- in these places like that. But I remember, I think Brian, if you could look this up, I think it was Arkansas. Oh yeah. Or Texas. There was a huge like movie scene
1: shootout in a bar where like 20 people got killed. No, I heard about that. That was like on a bigger scale, but I think like the, this was like their regular run down there. It was like the Laughlin run or or whatever. Yeah. So there, shit, I had family members down there, bro. You know, obviously my mom's husband was down there too, but these fools, bro. But back in the day, it was, pure outlaw. Oh yeah. And so that, those were the cats that your dad was running with. Yeah. So he went to prison when you were just a little boy. Uh, no, I wasn't born. Oh, okay. so he, w- he gotcha. went to prison in 69, came home in 76 and he had a life sentence, but they, they, uh, uh, somebody came through and changed it and made the system give everybody determinate sentences like uh-huh. give a people, give people dates. Oh, right. So it wasn't, you couldn't, you couldn't get 15 to life.
0: Yeah. You'd have to for get a, a specific- little while.
1: Right. So now they brought that, them life things back, but for a little while they had, they gave everybody dates and my dad came home. So this, you, you completely grew up in this culture. Yeah. This outlaw culture. Bro, there was, it was like, uh, even like driving down here, when I was thinking about what we was going to talk about, it was like, um, the way we grew up is like, it's, it's hard to even explain because I downplay a lot of this shit. Like I'll, I'll be like, oh yeah, I was selling pounds of meth regularly, but it was like, that wasn't no fucking thing to me mm-hmm. because it was what I seen my entire life. Mm-hmm. There was, it was drug dealing, bro. Nobody worked. Yeah. And that's, that's primarily how the Hells Angels
0: back then funded themselves was yeah. selling ice, I'm sure, yeah. selling meth, meth. Yeah. It was the crank days. It was the crank days. So this is before Mexican ice that dominates the market now,
1: right? Well, I think that's the only thing that's on the market now. Probably.
0: But this is back when crank was made in by white boys. Yeah. Hell yeah.
1: Bikers. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Did your dad, was
1: he a meth cook? No, but. Or he was just a distributor? He was a distributor, but he knew the the meth cooks. You know what I mean? Like the big dogs that were. Supplying everybody. I mean, these fools, once upon a time, bro, was buying 100-pound uh, barrels of ephedrine to cut with their dope yeah. before they realized that they could make the dope with the ephedrine. They was cutting that shit with the, the like, the probe dope was getting cut with the shit that we make, with, what they make it with today. So how much would be a pound of that kind of biker dope cost, like, at wholesale? Fuck, bro. I don't know. I know back in them days, the crank seemed like it was a lot more expensive really yeah so it was like i don't know um 10 grand i would say or something oh yeah that is
0: more expensive i think i read that like a pound of like meth from mexico wholesale now is like five thousand. it's not it's not even that well that's crazy no i I guess it's because they can make more of it they have a greater supply where when you're cooking it out in the desert walter walter white style yeah when
1: you got one person trying to cook dope for everybody, right. all the, the whole people. It's like right. you right. could imagine. Yeah. But when you, when now, when you got hundreds of people, thousands of right. people, everybody's when factories cooking, down in Mexico, making yeah. it's going to drop the price. Of course. I mean, they are giving it away, bro. This episode is
0: sponsored by prize picks. Prize picks is America's number one fantasy sports app with over 3 million members. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. You pick more than or less than two to six player stat projections. And watch the winnings roll in. I love Prize Picks. We are in the height of basketball season. March Madness is coming up, in my opinion, and this is the best time to be firing on action. It's demon time as well on Prize Picks. You can now win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. You can turn ten dollars into a thousand easily. Prize Picks is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Prize picks is one of the best ways to put a little bit of cash down and bubble up a lot. I've had so much fun watching basketball, especially. Okay. With the second half of the season in full swing and the playoffs coming into picture, I'm looking at prize picks, projected stats, and putting some money down. Jimmy Butler with 24.5 points against the Celtics, Jimmy Buckets is a boost, but against the best defense in the league, I'm definitely picking less. That's how easy it is. You see what I'm saying? Go to prizepicks.com/connect and use code connect for a first deposit match up to $100. Once again, that's prizepicks.com/connect and use code connect CONNECT for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars i can't describe to you how easy it is to make money i mean we just showed you right there pick jimmy butler to make less than 24.5 points against a certain team i mean it's it's that easy and it's that fun and it will it's renewed by love of sports so i i, I mean we love prize picks and so should you go over to prizepicks.com connect get that promo code get that bonus start playing right now thank you Let's get back into the episode. So why do you, so at the same time that crack was exploding in black neighborhoods, uh, meth was huge in these little white
1: uh, towns, these little white uh, ancillary towns. And that's probably what happened to Rodale. How I tell you, Rodale ain't nothing like it used to be. Crank came through there and just wiped it out. You Mm -hmm. know, normal people like, People that work every day started tweaking, and the next yeah. thing you know, their house is a tweak house. And did you you think meth is worse than crack?
0: Um, was there any crossover with cocaine in the white community during that time, or was it strictly strictly ice? crank? Bro. Crank. Everybody was selling crank. Um, why do you think that is? I always find that interesting. Why, you know, you have these two powerful uppers, crack and crank, but crank was. Like well, exclusively, in white
1: communities. And crack was like, the, oh, fuck, and, was crack was was like almost drug, exclusively
0: in black communities.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I don't get it. Like um, to this day, and I've used a lot of drugs, but to this day, uh, crack is the only drug I've never used. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? It seems fucking bizarre to me, yeah. but um Yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh why crack never well, maybe it was because
0: back then, and I'm just literally guessing, could it be because dealers, older suppliers like your father didn't want to deal with black drug dealers and therefore
1: it never made it into uh, the market? Oh, I'm black sure. Market? You know, I didn't even think about that. But I was, at first I was going to say Crank was a white drug, but cocaine in powder form is like the an ultimate. Every, an everybody drug. Yeah, it's everybody yeah. drug. So maybe because crack was like the uh, cut down version mm-hmm. of crank or of, of Coke. It was like the people that didn't have more money could afford the Coke, beat it up with mm-hmm. baking soda and be able to sell it down there. And Right. But white people could have done the same thing. They could have but how would you look in the, the projects doing that? You right. know, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But you know, I look back on it. It's something that I think about all the time. I'm like, fuck, yeah. man, why didn't we ever – Uh, try to sell cocaine because all Mm. the ties that we had, I mean, I feel like there was somebody that had to have been like, oh yeah, I could get as much cocaine as Mm. we need, but maybe it was the, the accessibility of like how accessible Mm. crank was for us was the reason that we didn't need cocaine to make money. Right. So would you say that you were more influenced by white, rural,
0: Irish, American biker culture than you were by black culture?
1: No, I, I think I was influenced by prison gang culture mm, because when, that. well, when I was growing up, bro, like the pictures on my wall, weren't athletes. They weren't artists. They weren't movie stars. It was fucking Barry Mills or somebody, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like the, the upper echelon mm-hmm. of real gangsters, mm-hmm. bro. You Can you know tell what who Barry Mills is? Barry Mills is, uh, like the top, was the top dog of the Aryan brotherhood. But, mm-hmm. um, I think he recently
0: died. He did. Yeah. And he's from one of these little Northern
1: Bay communities. He's from, what is the town he's from? I can't remember, bro, but I've tripped on it.
0: Dude, I went went down an Aryan Brotherhood. We'll call it the brand because we don't want to offend anybody. I went down a rabbit hole and I Googled where this guy's from. He's from like a leafy little town picturesque it- town called Windsor yeah. by in Sausal- like by Sausalito this is where like Napa Valley like rich people go now but it birthed those little towns birthed this you could call it racist or you know white nationalistic whatever it was this prison gang culture and it's just so and it, yeah you're right it's tied to to meth dealing and and biker gangs and and prison that's that's what connects this little like ecosystem.
1: Yeah. And and like my me and my brother's uh like outlooks on people and was heavily influenced by my father. So the people that my father respected was like the people that we looked up to, obviously. You know what I mean? So we grew up hearing about these dudes in prison and wow. it was just like um fuck it. We it was, was infatuated normal. with it, man. It was, it was like normal fuck to you. yeah.
0: Was was your father
1: racist? Um, Like outwardly racist I mean bro My dad grew up in the worst parts of California So he was the only white dude In the neighborhood you know mm-hmm. what I mean So he grew up getting abused bro You know what I mean mm-hmm. and, and this is just the stories He told us and then he gets to prison Where their enemies are black mm-hmm. You know what I mean it's just like But like growing up my dad Wasn't like oh no don't bring this black dude To my house you know what I mean wouldn't nev- It wouldn't ever like that No, which I think a lot of people uh, it's easy to call white people racist these days, bro, to discredit them or whatever. And Mm -hmm. I get it every day because of who I'm affiliated with. But my dad didn't push that on us. So it wasn't like we grew up being raised to hate other races. Mm -hmm. It was like we was growing up just to make fucking money. Right. Like hate, hate wasn't talked about in my family.
0: Yeah. And I think the brand actually uh, was conceived in prison as a way to defend themselves against the black prison gangs like the the black guerrilla family yeah. and and these other, I think, the Serenios and the Norteños. And that's how a lot of gangs start, just as like a way to defend yourself yeah. in these places.
1: Yeah. and they, And the treachery that then dudes, I mean, look, everybody's going to talk bad about them, call them racist and all that. But what they did for white people is like in prison mm-hmm. is like you got to respect it. Because people think twice about fucking with white people because of the, the dirt that they've done. Oh, I mean, and it's terrifying when yeah, you see how yeah. ruthless the brand is. And you have to be. How many people are in the brand in comparison to the other gangs? A tiny, tiny a fraction. So it's like, yeah. I, I've heard on some of them serious institutions, bro, you get there, there's four or five white dudes on the yard. Yeah. So how do you think you have to carry yourself? Yeah. You know what I mean? I, the whole racism thing is just like... It's one of them things that like gets under my skin because in my situation I feel like that's an, an easy way for people to discredit me. Sure. You know what I mean? To to kind of kill my vibe. Oh, he's a racist. Well, it's not even you. It's everybody,
0: it's an attack that's used it can be used on anybody yeah. nowadays. So it's just kind of like calling somebody anti-Semitic because they don't want Israel to keep bombing. Bunch of uh, oh, yeah. helpless people in Gaza. Yeah, it's just a, it's an easy attack. Uh, it's a way to malign somebody and attack somebody without uh, getting to know who they are. Right. So, uh, did when's the first time that you started getting active
1: in selling drugs or the gang shit? Both in this, just <clears throat> the, the the dirt game. Oh my god, bro! So I think I stabbed somebody when I was thirteen years old for a. Uh, like the dude allegedly drove past my sister when she was getting arrested and laughed at her while she was getting arrested. So I ended up stabbing that dude. Um, And around that same time I got busted with some meth, bro. I was, it was heavy. It was like immediate. I mean, we was selling candy in elementary school. You know what I mean? Mm. Like my mom would go to Costco and we would buy big bulk candy and bring it to school and sell candy. And I mean, it was just like started. And Mm. then we started selling weed in, Seventh and eighth grade. And then between eighth grade and ninth grade, one of my friends was like, bro, why are you selling weed? Your parents are the biggest drug dealers around here. Mm -hmm. And then I got involved with the meth. And did your dad put you on? Nah. By then, excuse me, by then, like my mom and my dad were split up. So once my mom and my dad were like split up to where my dad was living in his own place, me and my brother started getting real wild. My dad kind of kept us in check. It's like one of them things where I think back, like how would have things been if my dad would have been with us the entire time? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it was just like my dad was gone one time. My mom called us in the house and was like, look, look. So we're watching a little show on my dad's whole crime. So we're seeing my dad get arrested. They're talking about these uh, gas station murder robberies. And it's like, bro, we're young. This was before they was officially Split up, Mm -hmm. So then it's like they just planted little seeds. Mm -hmm. Now we know my dad's a gangster. I mean, we're already getting these kind of feelings Mm -hmm. just by how my dad carries himself and who my dad's around and all that. But then when they split, it was like we still wanted to be like my dad. Mm -hmm. And my mom was selling as much drugs, if not more, than my dad. So it was like, here, mom, can we get on? Wow. Did she have a spot or did she sell out of your guys' house? Our house? house was the trap house. Wow. It's crazy. And and like on the way over here, I was going to uh, bring up the fact that I think our house first got raided and it was obvious that we was drug dealers, bro, because we had our our porch was gated off. Mm. Like you had to be buzzed in to our house. <laughs> like it was an apartment building. <clears throat> like it was an apartment building. But I just wonder, man, like um, if the first time my mom's house got raided and the cops would have found something, if they would have like, Cut back, you know, like mm. let us breathe a little more. But mm. they they raided, they didn't find nothing. They raided, they didn't find nothing. And these rats are leaving our house, saying the rats are leaving our house. Getting arrested downtown, saying, yeah, I just came from up there. Mm-hmm. They got dope or whatever, and they come up. But my mom had this damn safe built into her bathroom wall, bruh, that she kept everything in. So these fucking cops was raiding our houses, and at the time. I don't know if I've ever talked about this, but my sister had a friend whose dad worked for the fire department. So every fucking time the police had to tell the fire department just in case something big happened, like, hey, we're going to go raid this house. So you guys be ready or whatever. You get tipped off. So the fucking the, uh, son... Would come, he would tell his son, Hey, don't go over there for a couple of days. The cops are getting raided. The son would come right over there and tell us, Hey, the cops are coming. The cops yeah, are coming. Yeah. So we got away with it for a long time, bro. And wow. I felt like that shit just pissed the cops off. Sure. Who was raiding you? The sheriff? The sheriffs, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, did, uh, did you ever have feds get involved like, with your parents? The feds got involved when they came to arrest my mom on the Aryan Brotherhood indictment. Okay. But that was the only time.
0: So let me ask you this. What is the connection between the brand, the AB, and street, outside, you know, street-level drug dealing? We know that the Mexican mafia, La they're said to control from inside a prison the drug sales that go on on the street. This is what they say. Is a, that similar to how the brand operates or what is the connection between what became uh, fame, the family affiliated Irish mafia, the the car that you rolled with and the brand from
1: inside a prison? Uh, my mom and my dad is the connection. You know, my mom got arrested with them, went to federal prison on an indictment with the brand. So, of course, everything that we do is going to be like affiliated with them. You know what I mean? And and plus one of my cousins uh went to state prison and he was running he was like in them circles. He wasn't Aryan Brotherhood, but he was uh buddied up with some of them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So him being close with them and then my parents being close with them, it just like inevitably fell on our lap. You know but what I mean? Is the
0: Aryan Brotherhood do they have people on the street or are they are they all in prison and then they have people on the street like your mom who are helping facilitate like you know drug transactions for
1: for the inside yeah well i would say bro that uh the majority of them dudes are in prison it's mm-hmm. just that that's the the lifestyle that they choose mm-hmm. you know what i mean if they're if they're free they ain't free for long but i think that because of who they are they 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 could I don't know. Like for instance, how was your mom? What was the what was the case that they put on your mom? Like how was she involved with the A B forward and mail? So there they were go. saying like my mom was getting letters to do hits and forward them to the places that they needed to be. I see. So so your mom was like a middleman between
0: the person carrying out the hits and the people who gave the order inside a prison. Yeah.
1: Oh, what them wow. do is actually love my mom though, bro. You know what I mean? I'm like sure. the, the prosecutor specifically told my mom's attorney, like the only reason why we really indicted her is because we wanted to spite TD and Barry. This is our way of getting of like our revenge on them. Because what else can we do to them? Mm, they've right. already got life. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like, this is, they've, We've done as much as we can to them. Mm. Now it's like the mental warfare. Here, let me right. attack somebody that these dudes actually care about. Right. So, Right.
0: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. So how
1: long did your mom go up for? Um, I think she was there for, they gave her five years, but then my mom got cancer at some point and, um, the doctors in there gave her like six months to live. So she tried to get the, get the compassionate release and Mm. it didn't work. So then her attorney went in front of her judge and her judge gave her like a, uh, just released her. Oh, wow. So Did she pass away or did you, I'm sorry to hear that. Both my parents passed away while I was in the feds in 2009. Wow. Did
0: anybody end up
1: getting killed
0: because of the letters that your mom was passing?
1: Uh, Yeah, but so, um, according to the paperwork, the letter never got there. So somebody sent a message to somebody else and said, Hey, did you ever receive the letter that the lady from the hill sent you? And he said, no, I never got it but allegedly everything Mm. still went on. So did she ever help the brand facilitate drug deals?
0: Like, you know, in in prison, the way most drug deals happen is, you know, I've got the drugs. I give them to you. And then you pay your person on the outside pays one of my person on the outside. Is there, do you think there's a connection there? Do you think that happens with fame?
1: and and the brand i'm not sure Hmm. i would think that if anybody i would think that if anybody got reached out by them they're going to do whatever they're asked Mm. you know what i Mm. mean it's just like one of them things where if you're out here fucking falling out of control and somebody reaches out to you and is like i need some help Mm -hmm. i mean wow i think the right thing to do would be to help it's amazing how much power
0: they have with so few numbers It's really amazing. And why do you think that is? You think it's
1: because they're willing to kill? Yeah. It's the violence, bro. The violence. When you have violence on that high or on that extravagant of a level, everybody's going to pay attention. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter who you are. You know what I mean? You could be the toughest person on the planet, bro. You're still going to, you're still going to, that, that thought of the treachery of how brutal the murders are when the murders happen is always going to be somewhere in your brain. Yeah, it's like beheadings, Fuck yeah, bro. But you, it's like, you have to be that that violent, man. It's just like, this is war. You think people in Afghanistan and all these other wars that you just brought up, the whole, are they being friendly with each other? Fuck no, they hate each other. Mm-hmm. And that's like how it is in prison. You mm-hmm. know, it's like tot hatred or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Force separation. Did you have aspirations to be part
0: of the brand when you were just a young teenager getting into the game
1: uh I don't know I know that like I wanted that reputation bro I wanted people to think of me like they thought of them dudes and this was young bro 14 15 years old I was like this is I want to be these pictures on the wall mm. I want to be that person when when I come home everybody's talking about them you know God this dude God this dude so you talk about
0: you were fantasizing about coming home from prison and you haven't, hadn't even gone there yet.
1: Yeah. So oh you, yeah. You knew you were going. Away. Oh, I knew, wow. I knew I had a gang coordinator in San Quentin come up to me finally when he realized who I was. So I was with the Nazi lowrider and, uh, we're walking into the chow hall and the gang coordinator is a big black dude. And he goes, Ralph Nash, that's the dude I'm with. And, uh, he goes, come over here. So I walk over cause you know, you don't want the homeboy to go somewhere with somebody else. It's a fucking cop. So we're sitting there and he's a he tells my homeboys, like, "I'm going to call you over here to take pictures of your tattoos or whatever in a couple of days." And then the dude goes, "You don't know who this is right here?" And then the, the dude looks at me and goes, "Uh, no, nah, are you a skin?" And I told him, "No, nah, I'm white." Because at this time, bro, I didn't even know what a skinhead was. Mm-hmm. I thought he was asking me if I was a fucking Indian. I'm like, the "Fuck <laughs> you mean am I a skin, mm-hmm. bro?" So I was all, "No, nah, I'm white." And he said, all right. And, he, and then the homie told him, man, you still don't know who this is. And the dude goes, where are you from? I said, oh, I'm from Cocoa County. He says, you got it anywhere on you? I said, no. And he goes, and then the dude told him again, man, I can't believe you don't. He goes, what's your last name? Donahue. He goes, oh, Maddie boy. Wow. Man, I'm 20 years old, bro. And that, that, that little, that I would be lying if I didn't say that little bit of like recognition mm-hmm. just sparked something, mm-hmm. bro, but. And that's uh, and that reputation comes from your father from or, from my mom's friends, from the the people from maybe other cats that were in fame that were running hard, you know this uh wow. yeah but he knew me he was like man i i've I've had people vouching for you to come to prison before you were old enough to think about prison. It was crazy bro it was crazy My think, life
0: is think about that life that it's an aspiration to have your son or your, your nephew go to prison.
1: Oh yeah. Well to, to like, I don't think like my dad had been there. So I don't think my dad had those aspirations. I obviously maybe he wanted me to be like a bad dude, but going to prison, I think that fucked him up, man. It was mm. like when, um, when I told my dad, I was going to take 10 years in prison. that He was like, man, I'm not going to make it that long. I'm not going to make it that long. So, but my mom, I think my mom was just like, uh, she loved the lifestyle. You know what I mean? That power and all that shit that came with it. it was just, I think she was like infatuated with it. She man. was deeper in the game than your father even. Yeah.
0: Okay. So you're 13, 14, you start selling
1: Crank. Crank. Uh, Were you good at it? How how successful did you get at that? Oh man, I was horrible at it, bro. Because I started um using... The drugs. So instead of like becoming a uh, successful or like having a lot of money, man, it was just, I was a, I was a bad person, man. From like 13 to 20 years old, I was just an evil. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't a good person to be around. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? There was no business qualities to me. Like I was a, I was a scandalous person man. I was strung out on drugs Mm -hmm. and I, I do anything I needed to do to get them drugs. Did when during this time, did your mom go away to prison at what age were you? So my mom didn't, my mom, uh, did little County jail trips and all Mm -hmm. that. So then in 1997, um, they raided the house. They found 90 grams of meth Mm -hmm. and they charged my brother with 30 grams, me with 30 grams and my mom with 30 grams. So my mom, excuse me, did some county jail time. My brother did county jail time and I went to prison. You went to state prison? I went to state prison. Where? Uh, so I went to, first I went to San Quentin and then when I was, because it's a reception center. Mm-hmm. And then when I was waiting for, to be sent to where I, wherever I was going, they sent me to um, Solano County Jail for another case because I had resisted arrest. A cop broke his leg. So my two year sentence went to four years. So, and then when I came home, it was like a, um, it was like a different story, man. I was, uh, I was turned off by drug users, like dope fiends or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was just like, I thought I was better than that now. So I came home and I started working for a little while. Actually, I worked for, I don't know, maybe a year or whatever, but I started selling dope in the process of working. And then finally I got. Let go from my job and mm. just was selling drugs. Completely. Did you stay
0: clean when you
1: started selling? Well, I for was the like, time? I would party. I would I would do uh coke. Yeah, I would drink, mm. but I never to this day. I haven't done meth since nineteen ninety seven. So you must have been making money now. Now that you're back, not using your product. Oh, yeah, now I'm making money. Now we're having fun, and it's just uh, and is this crank or is this now Mexican meth? It was still crank, still crank. But then the the like right before I I went. Right before I caught my Fed case is when that crystal shit started, like, really popping. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? To where if you had the regular crank, you probably couldn't even sell it. Right. Okay, so this new Mexican
0: crystal is fire compared to the crank. Yeah. And it's harder to cut. You know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. just like... Because it's crystalled. It's already rocked up. So now you have smokers just going wild. Wild. Um, Tell us about fame a little bit so you're now you're making money i I imagine you got a pretty high ranking or respect within the family affiliated irish mafia how many i was the
1: one you were the you were the the daddy the shot caller we started that shit how many people did you have we didn't have many bro Mm -hmm. it wasn't like it was just like uh, i'd imagine hypothetically speaking say you you lived in your little neighborhood and you had 20 friends that you grew up with your whole life Mm -hmm. and slowly but surely your influence started influencing them. And before you know it, they're no longer normal cats. They're selling drugs with you. And the next Mm -hmm. thing you know, you got this little fame tattoo and Mm -hmm. they're like, well, what's this about? You know what I mean? And then one thing leads to another.
0: Yeah. And so everybody is making money, hustling, selling crystal. Yeah. What other kind of, money-making
1: activities does a little crew from rodeo get into anything anything that they have for sale bro i was trying to get in ecstasy Mm -hmm. fucking then i started getting into the cocaine a little bit because Mm -hmm. everybody uses cocaine Mm -hmm. and it's not like like i feel like if you're selling cocaine the majority of the time you're selling to people that are doing normal shit bro that just party on the weekends or whatever market up hell yeah Mm -hmm. So, but, um, did you,
0: do you guys roll like bikers in the sense that, you know, you're highly organized, you bail out your brothers if they go to prison? Or? I mean, we
1: look out for each other and all that type of shit, but there was no, it was like, there was no structure to it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We was just a bunch of knucklehead kids running around with the, with our own name. You know what yeah. I mean? Instead of, uh, you know, I don't know if you've been to the state prison but our, our whole state is broken up into counties. Like, oh, the homeboys from Shasta, the homeboys from Coco. You know what I mean? Mm. So instead of us just being, oh, them are Coco boys. It's like we wanted our own thing. You know what I mean? So And so you guys now have an identity when you get <laughs> locked up and go to
0: prison. You're a somebody.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, did you ever,
1: while you were in but, state prison, got go to cut you off, it was never meant to be Uh, a prison thing how it morphed into that is um i don't really know but it was like we were street guys bro you Mm. know what i mean it was like ultimately i knew where i was going where i ultimately wanted to be but i knew that like there was a there was there was gangs in prison that the other bigger gangs respected you know what i mean and and that like at one point in time was where my mindset was. Well, like these guys are going to respect us too one day. Mm -hmm. So, yeah.
0: Okay. So you kind of wanted to have an identity. You didn't want to just be one of the brand. You didn't want to be like a soldier for the Nazi lowriders. Exactly. It's like, I got my own shit. Yeah. It was,
1: I'm telling you, it started with two, two arrogant kids. Mm -hmm. It just was like, nah, we're going to be our own. Mm-hmm. Our own people, you know what I mean, our own savages, we're gonna call a shot for each other. Did you get into any violent crime?
0: Um, did you ever get while you were selling dope? did you ever get robbed? Did
1: it ever get real sticky? Uh, no, nah, I never got robbed, but um, the violence was everywhere bro mm-hmm. the the like we thrived in violence. We was in the bars all the time, just being um. Being J cats, man, we was we was mm-hmm. we loved the violent part of it. I mean, fortunately, only a few of us ever got uh, murder charges. But I mean, I don't think we got the reputation that we got from just selling drugs, right? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We was actually out there putting in work. Mm-hmm. We was we was J cats, man. We mm-hmm. we just um, we enjoyed the whole that everything about that lifestyle we was infatuated with, yeah, right this explains a lot about the
0: entirety of that lifestyle from the hell's angels to the brand to fame. Yeah. Right. Um, where was your father at during this time after you'd already cleaned up and you were out selling dope? killing. So,
1: uh, my father was raising my little brother and my little sister. And, um, is he out of the game at this point? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like my, my dad made a, a phenomenal turnaround at some point, you know, he like broke down to my little brother, Devin and was like, uh, you know, I'm tired of, cause my dad got strung out on dope again. Like me and him was doing dope together. So, but then when I'm, once I went to prison at some point during those first four years, he got clean and it was like, that fool was a phenomenal father. You know what I mean? Mm. Like he didn't live in the best neighborhoods. He lived in Vallejo and, uh, but he raised my brother and sister phenomenally, man. He didn't, I mean, I was the bad influence to them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Obviously him come bringing them to prison to visit me and all that type of shit. So I could see how they might look up to that lifestyle a little bit, but they, they played sports their whole lives. They got good, great, excuse me. They got good grades. It was just like, my father was a different person with them. How did he
0: turn it around? Uh, was okay. it just age and...
1: Probably maturity, man. Mm-hmm. It was probably... He probably wanted to do right by the kids. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then seeing what I was doing with my life, it was probably like he didn't want that for them kids. Mm-hmm. And my little brother was a phenomenal athlete. So it was probably just like gave him a lot to look forward to. And just like... um, It gave him a purpose. You know what I mean? Right.
0: To, so it was your mom that really held on to the lifestyle to My the mom end. never let it go. So when she... Were you When you were back on the
1: street, was she away or had she gotten so, out of the feds at this point? Oh, my bad. I, I didn't uh, finish that story. So my mom, when I got, so at some point after my state prison sentence, the feds raided my house and then busted my mom. Mm-hmm. So it was around this time that I caught my fed case. So I got sentenced to 12 and a half years. My mom got sentenced to five. Then she got sick got the early release. So by the time I got home both my parents were dead. Wow. Horrendous. Yeah. Horrendous. But you want to know the crazy part about it, man, is the the shit that we grew up around every day, the fucking betrayals, the lifestyle, the seeing my parents' best friends become their enemies and uh, or become rats and it just bro, when your whole life is used to fucking the nastiest parts of everything, you become uh, like numb. So it was almost like I had to talk myself, and it might have been because I was in prison, but I don't know. But it was almost like I had to talk myself in to mourning the loss of my parents, bro. It was like, fuck, shouldn't I be feeling different? Mm. Shouldn't I be in my eyes mm-hmm. out right now? It was, it was weird for me, man. Yeah, it's a life
0: filled with constant disappointment, exactly. it sounds like. When you were in state prison, did you were you clicked up with anyone? Who did you roll with your on your during your first uh, My Cocoa bid?
1: County homeboys. Right. Okay. And how was that? How was the state bid? It was lovely. Mhm. Was uh we had too much fun, bro. Prison was prison is not like what people think it is, man. It depends where you are, but Yeah. Man. Yeah, but even then the the violence is Isolated issues the majority of the time, mm-hmm. bro. The rest of the time, motherfuckers are being J-cats. Yeah, getting high. Yeah, hell yeah. Selling dope. You're doing the same fucking thing you was doing on the streets, bro, minus the women. Is that what you were doing? Yeah. You were getting into all Fuck that? Fuck yes, bro. I did it all. Like, even after I got a 150-month sentence, when I first got to the feds, it was the same last, bro. So look at I end up, I know we're kind of traveling here, but I end up in the feds, and I'm on a, a burner phone. I call my brother and I know my brother, there's something wrong with my brother. I'm like, bro, what's wrong with you? And he's like, Mom's cancer is terminal. She's fucking got six months to live. And I'm on the phone, bro, and I'm like, Man, I need you to complete this transaction that I I I already started this transaction. So I need you to finish it. This fool's just told just told me mm-hmm. that my mom's got six months to fucking live, bro. And he's like what is your fucking problem? This, and my brother don't ever like bash me for my choices, mm. but that was like the one time where he was like, bro, what the fuck? You just got sentenced to 150 months in prison. I, I just told you our mom is dying and you're asking me to send money somewhere for some fucking bullshit. He's all, what the fuck? When are you going to learn? And how did that make you feel? Uh, bro, I just kept at it. I yeah. mean, it was like, I think probably it might've been my way of just, like dealing with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the selling drugs, being involved with all the same shit I was involved with on mm-hmm. the streets just made my time easier. Yeah. Okay. Let's back up
0: for a second. Cause this is great. I want to talk about that. How did you actually catch your long fed case? So, and, and what was the, what was, what were the charges? How much dope were you moving? <laughs> what do they have on you? You know?
1: So a friend of mine, now we all had this, I have to tell this story like this because my, so I had 320 pounds of cocaine, which is 150 keys in the trunk. We got arrested in uh, Utah near Park City. And um, the charge was, I think, distribution or whatever. And I got 150 months. For cocaine.
0: So, so you went up for coke, not for meth. Coke yeah so 120 keys or something like 150 that 150 150 keys i mean you could get life for that yeah in theory
1: um are you
0: just transporting
1: that to yeah. somebody okay yeah, so look it so my partner hits me up and every once in a while this fool comes with like the best fucking crank ever the best crystal like whenever i bring this shit that was a little more expensive but everybody liked it. They was Mm -hmm. like, I don't give a fuck, man. This, this is the stuff that we want. Mm -hmm. So I was telling my guys like, bro, I need a lot of this. And he was like, man, okay, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. Uh, And and he's like, well, what's a lot? I was like, fuck a hundred pounds. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I want a lot. Mm -hmm. I want enough to where the, the price switches in my favor to where it's not that I don't have the expensive dope. I just have the good dope. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. So, um, one morning this fool hits me up and he's like, man, I need a favor. And I was like, yeah, what's, what's up? You want to take a ride with me? And I was like, yeah, I'll take a ride with you. Where are we going? He says out by, by Chicago. And he tells me like, this, this is going to be, uh, this is going to open all the doors that you need open. You know what I mean? He says anything that you, and I, and I lightweight didn't believe the dude. You know what I mean? I was like, man, man. This dude been talking about bringing me weight forever, mm. bro. And ain't never, never came through on his mm. promises. So, and, uh, but I was, bro. Who was your partner? My Cody defendant John Kinter. Okay. Another white guy
0: from the neighborhood. Yep. Why couldn't you have made your own plugs? Cause it sounds like you had the clientele. You knew how to move it. Did you not have your own the cartel Mexicans, sources? Man,
1: I didn't. So, like, the... the You didn't click up You couldn't have made those connections in prison? There was... Well, in state prison, bro, when I went to state prison, my mom was the plug. And then when I came home, it transitioned from white people to Hispanics. Right. So it was like... And then, before I could make that transition, I'm back in the feds. Right. So, and in, in between that little period, too, I went on for a violation. Mm. So it was like... I see. The, the crystal trade when it started like when I could have got put into positions Mm -hmm. with people with a lot of weight I was late right uh how much
0: at this time when your friend asks you he says I've got this plug what what kind of dope were you moving a week
1: uh like what did your business look like was it a a little bit of everything or was it I mean I think it was like when I got arrested it was a little bit of coke and a uh a lot of bit of crank. As much crank as we could get a hold of, mm. bro, we was interesting. Selling. So there was a shortage on crank. There was a, yeah. Right. Like this fool would be like, I could get you guys 11 pounds. And it's like, bro, we need 1,100 fucking pounds. 11 ain't going to work. Okay, but we get 11 pounds. I mean, bro, you know how it is, the right. supply and the demand. If you have 1,100 pounds, you're going to get rid of 1,100 pounds. Wow. You're just going to have more people that want to buy it. So you're selling wholesale now to dealers. Yeah, like we weren't selling less than than pounds or whatever, quarter pounds, half pounds. It wasn't like we was bagging up. So now I guess there's a shortage because it's getting harder to get the precursor chemicals from the pharmacies, right? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Because now it was like everybody was relying heavily upon whatever was getting shipped to the states. Right. So now it's, yeah, you see the crank is dying. Crank is dead. Right. I had eight pound. When I got arrested, I had eight pounds of fucking meth, bro. And I don't even know how my people sold it, just because no, it's not good enough. Yeah, just nobody wants it. It was like having dirt weed. Yeah, bro. And like And uh, I always talk like back in the crank days, I would get the crank and I would put water in it, like turn it back into an oil base, and then I would hit it with the the acetone, and it would come back like almost crystally. It was like the closest thing that we yeah, had yeah. to crystals back then. Right. So people loved it. Mm. It was like, oh, yeah, here, let me get right. all of this beautiful crank that you have. <laughs> right. But then the
0: crystal comes and that's like introducing indoor chronic Fuck to the yes. market. Hell yeah. People
1: get used to that and they're like, I'm not smoking this stuff. Yeah, with they stems refuse. And, and seeds because crank it? turned into like a smoker drug. So the cleaner you could have it, the better it was. When crank first came out, everybody was snorting it right, or shooting it. Right. And then everybody started smoking it. When the crank trade went bad, when people started smoking. How so? Because it just turned people into zombies mm. because you used to be able to do a line of crank and stay up for two fucking days. Right. Now you smoke it and you need it every 15 minutes. And these big ass clouds people mm. are getting obsessed with. Mm. And it was just, it became a. Just like crack. Crackle- just exactly. Like crack. Exactly. Crack and right. it ruined mm-hmm. anybody that was a smoker that was into right. meth it just ruined right. right so so you could have been a functional
0: crank user yeah. back in the day but when when it became
1: smokable Fuck, that's I when i think my father was a functional crank user like he'd be able to right. go out friday night do a couple lines mm-hmm. with the guys drink mm-hmm. and be good monday right you right. know you start smoking it it's just no stop so bringing us to 2009
0: you're a real player. Like yeah. if you got the connects to get rid of 1100 pounds,
1: like you got clientele But 2009, I was in prison already. I oh, went I'm to sorry. State prison in 2004, but okay. Before 2004, as much crank as I could have got, mm. we could have moved. Okay. Uh, but before I'm talking about leading up to your fed case, um,
0: uh, okay. So it sounds like you kind of fell off after you came home
1: from the state. No, the it, it, I didn't fall off. It was just, there wasn't enough ever. I see. You know what I mean? I had big dreams, bro. I wanted to be that person that had hundreds of pounds of dope. You know what I mean? I didn't want to be fucking selling 10 pounds. Right. So you wanted
0: to be a rich. You wanted wanted to be a millionaire
1: dope dealer. Fuck yes. My man. Yes. (laughs) My man. All
0: right. Now we're talking my language. (laughs) How much did you, what was the height, your height? What
1: do you think you made? Did you ever touch a hundred thousand? Oh yeah. Like when I came home from my violation, I had made, a hundred thousand. I had a hundred thousand put to the side just in, in that little six months. Mm-hmm. But before the six months was over, I had that hundred grand stack, bro. And it was just like, uh, like, I feel like I could have stayed home mm-hmm. and just done well, mm-hmm. but I was, I was hungry, bro. Like yeah. I said, I wanted, I wanted to do whatever I had to do to get to that plug that could.
0: Right. So you're looking at, you know, be sitting on the weight that your your buddy, your Cody, says that he's got. So this is an opportunity. I get this. So you think you're going to meet the connect? So lead us in. Tell well, us Well, I what think happened. I'm just going to do a favor
1: for the connect. Mm. So we're taking a ride yeah. to drop something off. And then when we get back, I'm going to get blessed. Right. So it was just like a scratch my back. I'm going to scratch yours. I'm going to give you whatever you could possibly handle. Okay. So uh, walk us through what happened. So- um, my homeboy picks me up. We get to, to Reno and uh, we stayed at the Hilton or something. We, we was on the borderline of Utah and Reno. So the cop pulls us over. We're going like six miles an hour with a speed limit. My bad, because I was driving like an idiot. But uh, the dude, the cop eventually the cop pulls me out of the cop car and has me sitting in his cop car with him. And he's taking me on this fucking fishing expedition. But finally, he's like, where'd you guys stay? And I was always stayed at the Hilton. And he was like, all right. And the part that saved my life was, he says, I'm going to issue you a warning for speeding and you're good to go. The traffic stop is over. But he continued on with the traffic stop, which saved my life and got me 12 and a half years because otherwise it would have been probably my life. So they was scared to take it to the motion to suppress hearing and offered me 12, me and my Hang Cody. On, back family.
0: up. I don't understand this. Are you dirty at this point? Do you have, I, I thought you were going to Chicago to bring the cocaine back. No, no, hell no. We have the cocaine okay. on us.
1: You got 150 joints, 100, 150 big keys. ones in the fucking trunk,
0: bro. Wow. Yeah. And, and okay. So you know what you're doing, you know, you know what you're, you're riding Look, I don't with. know. Yeah. I know that we we have something, because so you're doing this on a favor. You're not even getting paid per, no per kilo. No. Nope. Wow. Okay. Crystal clear now. Got it. So you get pulled over.
1: You obviously look like gang members. Yeah, but I look different back then. My and my Cody Finnett doesn't look like any kind of gang okay. member. This motherfucker looks like like the old man next door, bro. Yeah. Like somebody you see in your driveway hitting fucking golf balls or something <laughs> right you'd never be like i mean bro these motherfuckers said 320 pounds i was like motherfucker Holy you could have gave me that right. we didn't even have to take a ride right right fuck. wow so you didn't know you had 150 bricks fuck no oh, bro the story's even crazier i had a fake id that looked more like you than me and i was on parole when the fucking feds after we got arrested When the feds pulled me into the fucking room to try to interrogate us, he was like, "Uh, you have the right to remain silent. And I was like, "Uh, why are you guys talking like this? Ain't I being arrested for being out of bounds on parole? (laughs) You're being arrested for a substantial amount of narcotics. So, okay, so. All right. You get pulled over.
0: So are you on the Nevada side when the... No, we're in Utah. Okay, so okay, you're on the Utah side. Wait, wait, wait. I thought you said you were by Reno. Yeah, we left. We okay. spent
1: the night in Reno. Okay, so you
0: got out of this ticket. It was a routine traffic stop. It was just on a fluke. The cop, they weren't on you. No. This wasn't like a setup. No. Okay. So you, you, you <clears throat> fucking make it through by the skin of your nuts. You spend the night in Reno. I didn't make it through. He,
1: he left me. Excuse me. <clears throat> so he left me. After he told me I was good to go and went and talked to my Cody Fennett. My Cody Fennett told him we stayed at the borderline. There's a fucking motel at the borderline called the borderline. So he was like, your guys, story don't match up. He's saying you guys stayed at the Hilton. You say you stayed at the borderline. And my Cody Fennett was like the borderline of fucking Utah. And and then one thing led to another. And he was like, he asked my Cody Fennett. He's like, can I search the car? my Cody Finn told him yeah but that was the only part of the audio that was like like you couldn't hear it like I asked my Cody Finn when we was in the jail together I was like bro the fuck did you tell him he could search the car for and he said I didn't tell him that I told him specifically uh no but I'm sure you're going to do whatever you want to do and then he went and searched the car and they found the drugs. Fuck yeah, they found the drugs. Okay, so our stop was over in Utah. I see. Okay, okay,
0: gotcha. All right, that's wild. So, you guys get you know thrown in the tank. Did you take it? So these motions to suppress—that's what basically gave you your plea oh, deal. It saved my life. So they wanted to put you away for like well, thirty. They,
1: so they wanted. The, uh, the prosecutor wanted to give me 20 years Mm -hmm. and my Cody or my attorneys, my attorneys are badasses from California, the Tony Sarah and uh, Randy Darr. They don't even, they won't even, uh, like represent snitches. These dudes are Mm -hmm. like the upper echelon of gangster attorneys. Yeah. But, um, oh, where was I going with that, man?
0: You know, too, people forget, like you don't, if you go through a traffic stop and they write you a ticket or they say, have a nice day and they keep talking to you, it's, Oh, you don't oh, have to, so bro, you can literally be like, Hey, this is done. Like I'm going to go on my way now. Like they don't have the right, they obviously don't have the right to search. Now, if you're on probation, I think they can make a call to your PO
1: oh, and yeah. get a warrant hell, to yeah. search you. But so but my, was your Cody on no, any kind of paper? No. So the, uh, the, like that the whole traffic stop stop was illegal. So my, the, uh, prosecutor told my attorney, he was like, here's a 20 year deal. Like he ain't going to get a better deal than this. And my, my attorney told him his family ain't going to let him take 20 years. It ain't. And my attorney told him, it ain't that I don't think this is a good deal. It's just a matter of one of them things that we're going to go to trial. We're not going to do 20 years or, or anything like that because to them, to him and his family, 20 years is life. Yeah. So my attorneys wrote up the rough, rough draft motion to suppress hearing. And then they came back with a 10 year plea, but the 10 year plea now, mind you, I've been in the County jail for almost a year by now. Right. So I know what these plea agreements are supposed to look like mm-hmm. if they're legit, you know what I mean? So like I went to page six or something and page six, it says that, uh, I'm willing to cooperate in later times or whatever the fuck it yeah, said. I don't even yeah. know what it said, but I told my attorney, I said, I'm not going to take this. Yeah. And he's like, bro, you guys are the only two people on your, your case. I said, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to be in prison for the next 10 years. Trying to tell everybody that wants to see my paperwork that me and my co defendant <laughs> signed the same fucking plea. Right. It ain't going to work. Mm-hmm. And I don't want nothing that has my name associated with, with cooperating. Mm-hmm. I don't care about your, your view on it. This is my view. If me and my co-defendant are the only two people on this crime, and if we both sign the exact same plea with the exact same cooperation clause that won't hurt nobody, I still don't give a fuck Mm -hmm. because it's saying that I'm cooperating with you guys and I don't want that. Mm -hmm. So my attorney left flabbergasted, bro. This motherfucker was like, I can't even believe this is coming out of this dude's mouth. We're talking a 10-year deal from 20. Yeah. So the prosecutor, thankfully, came back and was like, we got a different one 12 and a half years no no uh no cooperation, cooperation no nothing i was like brush that and that's what your Cody
0: took as well yeah so and did they try to lean on you guys for to to find out who they the, tried the connect to lean was they tried
1: that one day bro the, That's the it. very first fucking day when we got arrested because and the the prosecutor dude or the the i think it was a dea dude i still remember him red hair kind of a heavier set dude mm-hmm. when i cuz my Cody finnit went in there first So then, when I went in there, because I I wasn't trying to be smug or like Mm. disrespectful for what the dude, but when I was on my way out, when I told him, I I ain't got nothing I could tell you guys. And he was like, Well, that was a lot better than how your your Cody Fennett told me. I said, Well, what did he say? He said, Fuck you guys. I was like, (laughs) Either one works. Same thing with different meanings, right? I can't tell you nothing. Fuck you. So hell yeah, you kept the game tight. Yeah, but that was the only time, bro. I was surprised. They never once tried to come back and be like, are you sure you guys want to do this much well, time? Well, uh, trust me, if it was a guy that looked like me,
0: they would have been like, listen, we know you got to get back to your nice family in Northeast Portland. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they looked at you, they looked at your track record, they looked at who your parents were, they looked at who your clique oh, was. Bro. So you these know?
1: fuckers actually, because my co-defendant told the prosecutor, he was like, uh, can we, he goes, I want to get more, my My co-defendant told his attorney, my bad, that he wanted to take more time, like give him 15 years and me six. However, so if we both Mm -hmm. had 12 years, he said he would take 18 to give me six. Right. And the prosecutor was like, I don't have no problem with that, but I'm going to call the local authorities just to make sure that the story's believable. I want to make sure that when I go to my superiors, that they'll be like, are you sure this isn't just the old guy? taking more time. So the young guy could get back out there sooner and commit more crime. Right. And the local people said negative. If anybody's in charge, it's Donahue (laughs) and the other guys along for the fucking ride. Uh, And you're like, no, actually it was like, no, I wasn't talking. Believe it or not. But yeah, I was like, yeah, not, not this time. Wow. So
0: you're, but your Cody was trying to do the right thing. Yeah. He was like, he just came along. Like I asked him to do this. So did, let me talk about the motion to suppress. Did your lawyer take the illegal stop and the sketchiness Bro. of the search and say hey look there's good evidence that this was illegal you better give us a deal is that how he was able yeah. to get it down Bro, from 20 to 10 yeah.
1: because listen i don't know if you know about uh traffic stop laws but they they protect us they mm. don't they're, they're not in favor of the cop right. so this cop said that i was nervous which is not a, a probable cause no. um he said that we had a map We're driving across the United States and a map was but all that aside, bro, this fool gave me a warning for speed and told me I was good to go in order for that traffic stop to continue on. He has to get consent. So what he has to do is say, hey, Mr. Donahue, can I ask you another question? And if I say yes, then everything he does with the traffic stop is legit. But he never did that. He told me to wait on the side of the car and then went and continued on with the traffic stop. But that was over.
0: Without your consent. Without my consent.
1: And I was driving. How were you able to prove that he didn't have consent? I was on audio. I I was on, bruh, there's a video of me in his fucking cop car getting handed a warning for speeding and told Mm. I'm good to go. So it wasn't like it was one of them things that it was my word against his. This shit was on video and audio. Like everybody I talked to once I got to prison was like, bro, you're fucking crazy. But my attorney put it to me like this. He was like, bro, eventually you're going to beat this case. There's no way around it because it's cut and dry. This fool gave you a warning and told you you was good to go. Your your tri- He told me specifically if I would have had marijuana instead of cocaine, I would have walked out that courtroom a free man, wow. because it was that cut and dry. There was no there was no way for the cop to say oh, I didn't say that. Oh, I didn't give him a warning for speeding. We no, have it right here. We faggot. have it right here. Yeah, everything was right there. But my my attorney was like, bro, I'm going to tell you my opinion. First of all. No judge is going to be in the newspaper tomorrow saying that he threw out 300 pounds of cocaine mm-hmm. over a traffic law discrepancy. Right. So what he's going to do is just pass it on and say, you guys are going to figure this out in the appellate system. Right. So and he goes, and how long is the appellate system in going to least take? Five years, 10, mm-hmm. whatever. And then I'm going to end up in a penitentiary with a life sentence. Mm-hmm. What if I catch, you know, it was yeah. like so many different. But, but don't you think because of how cut and dry the illegality of the
0: search was, you could have taken it to trial and got a jury to
1: get a not guilty verdict? See, now I didn't know, even like you saying that, I don't even know how that works. Well, I thought once we got to the trial, the evidence is evidence. Because if it's not, it gets thrown out at the. Oh, interesting. The the, the suppression. motion, the motion yeah. to suppress. Interesting. Yeah. So it that, wouldn't, at that point, I don't think it had been a matter of me right arguing whether or not it was legit. Right. It was. That's inadmissible. Yeah. Like or, I don't or even or know in, how they yeah, would fight that, that, that case. That's
0: actually a really good point. Uh, right in fans, leave a comment. Uh, that's interesting. We just had a, a lawyer on last week. He would have been able to answer that. So your your attorney was like he gave you sensible advice, bro. Like, like, yeah. so look at here's Tony.
1: reality. Here's reality. That's a good attorney. Yeah. Hell yeah. Because look at Tony, Sarah and Randy came up the week before and was talking to me about fighting this motion to suppress mm-hmm. brother. whole office was buzzing. I mean, wow. obviously it's 300 pounds of cocaine and there's a large possibility that we're going to beat the case. So Tony, Tony's in there animated. Excited. I don't know if you've ever, like watched anything with Tony Sarah, that dude is like, he got to YouTube shit up there, but he's like uh very graphic with, with how he talks. So he's jumping up and down and he's getting into it. And he's telling me all oh, your case is different than everybody else's. It's cut and dry. We're going to beat this. It's just, it's beautiful. This is what we live for. So then what turned him? Randy came up by himself the very next week flew in from fucking San Francisco mm-hmm. talk to me he was like hey listen I just want to play the devil's advocate here I know that Tony probably has you hyped up and they've been they were sending me all kinds of uh legal work to go over because Mm -hmm. it was like similar to mine and and all these cases that were similar to mine they were beaten you know what I mean so Mm -hmm. it was like bro but uh and Randy and Tony had known me my entire life you know what I mean I was going to Blair Guthrie's a federal trial with them when I was fucking nine years old, Mm. the entire trial. You know what I mean? They wanted us there because it made him look like a good human being. Who was Blair Guthrie? uh, Blair Guthrie is, um, he passed away, but that was one of the guys I looked up to, man. Blair was, um, uh, he was a biker, but he wasn't, he wasn't in any clubs or anything like that. Um, They, uh, he probably got a reputation for being a meth cook, um, that's what he was in. That's what he was fighting the feds for, bro. Mm. This fool beat that case. I watched the case. He beat the case. He beat a fed beat trial. the feds in, in, trial. in trial. It was the most, and Not mind easy you, I'm young, bro. Mm-hmm. So being able to watch this, being able to watch that attorney just like win over these fucking jurors, bro. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was amazing. But mm-hmm. um, Blair and my dad were friends. Blair was the one that probably like uh, eventually put my mom and my dad into a great position. You know what I mean? Blair's rest in peace. So he sounds like he
0: was the connect back in your parents' day when they were out there selling crank. Yeah. Okay. So, but Randy
1: point is Randy came and he was like, Oh yeah. So Randy was like, man, I've known you my whole life. I've known you your whole life. I've been, I've been watching you guys grow up since you was this big. And he goes, and even though this is moments like this is why I became an attorney because it's Epic. You know what I mean? Mm. This is this is the moments that I live for. And he goes, but I don't want to do that at at the expense of your life. Yeah. It's it was like personal with him. You know yeah. what I mean? It, and I understood, bro. Yeah. And I didn't want to. It's like fuck. Do I want to gamble yeah. with my life? Do you think if you had said, told the 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 U.S. attorney, fuck
0: that, it was an illegal search. I'm not taking that plea. And the judge had had passed on the motion. He said, no, that's we we can't allow that illegal search he would dismiss the motion to dismiss whatever yeah. you call that do you think you that, that plea deal would have been off the table like you couldn't have gone back if you had lost the
1: motion and said hey actually they'll oh, no. take the 12 and no, a half no because he specifically told my attorney if he goes to the motion to suppress I'm filing his two prior felonies and I'm going to give him a life sentence right so if you and if you had gone to trial and blown trial you would have got life yeah but the, the, yeah. the whole yeah all and then day and you would have
0: had to risk the appellate court yeah but yeah. The,
1: exactly But the, the, the only action we had was the motion to suppress. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It was like one of them things to where, uh, was that a hard decision to make for you? No, fuck. No. Mm -hmm. Because like in my mind, bro, I was like, fuck 10 years and doing a bid is nothing to you. No. Yeah. So I, and And plus you're going to the feds and the feds, bro. My God, when we was where we was at Mm. there, the only thing that we didn't have was women. (laughs) Well, you can make a lady out of yeah. uh, some of those good-looking yeah. boys in there. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, but you know, some people do. When yeah, I wasn't, of course, I wasn't do. one of them.
0: Uh, yeah, you got to be doing life if you're going to be busting some
1: cheeks, you know? You got to be doing—you know what, bro? When I when I got my—so uh, I went to prison for the two years, and uh, I told my celly, I was like, bro, ain't no way. I'm not letting no man ever touch my fucking Johnson. I ain't got enough time for that. Yeah, right, just... and then I came back with four years, and I was like— Nope. Yeah. Maybe if I had 10 and I come <laughs> back with 12 and I'm like, maybe if I had a life sentence. All right. So you passed the test. You're I passed the test. Yeah, no. Um,
0: so all right, so you so you cop. You cop out to 12 and a half.
1: Where do you go? I went to uh so that you know the the reception center for the, the feds is Oklahoma. Yeah. So then I went to Oklahoma for that little experience, and then I went to uh, FCI Tucson. All right. So that's a real penitentiary. No, the USP Tucson. Oh, is the bad one? Yeah, but FCI's- that's like a sex, a sex offender place or something over there. Mm. Is it? I I, I know they
0: I know they had kingpins there. Maybe oh. they changed it. It's always changing. I yeah. don't know though. But
1: FCI. So you were at a medium. Well, you yeah. Well, you know some of them penitentiaries. I'm sure them kingpins, a lot of them kingpins ain't violent dudes. No. So they could go, they, you know what I mean? They go anywhere they want to go.
0: That guy, little Daryl from the Bay. He was a crack kingpin from Oakland. Yeah, He was at, uh, Tucson. His, his, uh, son actually made it to the NBA, but he's doing life at, I think, USP Tucson. Yeah. So USP for people don't know is our maximums. They're maximum security prisons, USP, United States penitentiary Penitentiary. an fci usually is like a medium right yeah yeah okay so you were at a medium in tucson so tell us about that federal prisons are fascinating please i'm intrigued to hear your experience
1: there um who did you roll with first of all it's uh, not i'm 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 a white boy everywhere i go so but uh like when i was in arizona i was real real tight with the islanders like the uh the Samoans and the Hawaiians and the Tongans and, and, uh, like that, I think that little bond even started in the, the county jail in Utah because in, in the Bay area, we didn't like, um, I never really associated much with Islanders. We didn't have very many, but then when I went to Utah, they have like a strong presence there. Yeah. So then I started, uh, like becoming uh cordial with some of the Tongans there and, and, uh, the Islanders are just good people, man. I they're mean, friendly they're, people. They are friendly people. Even the people. gangsters. It's exactly. part of their culture. And they, I mean, they got that little, they flip the switch and turn into psychos when they need <laughs> to, but they're just good people, man. Yeah. And that was the kind of people that I was drawn to, man. Mm-hmm. So like in, in FCI Tucson, I was really, really tight with the, the Islanders, but I still ran with the white
0: boys. And who in a medium, who are the, the white cars in federal,
1: like medium security prisons? The lowriders, Nazi lowriders? Uh, no, I would probably say like the skinheads or something. You know what I mean? Like uh, I didn't see very many Nazi lowriders. Is there any influence of the brand? Um, I think there's always an influence of the brand everywhere you go. Like they they uh they locked anybody down in them in throughout the whole Bureau of Prisons during the sentencing phase of the Aryan Brotherhood trial. I don't know, it, because oh, they thought they was going to give them the death penalty. Right. So they got scared that anybody that knew them dudes was going to kind of like start bucking if they gave them the death penalty. So they locked down every single person that had any kind of ties wow. to them dudes. And there was only four of us on the yard that ended up in the hole. Wow. So, and one of them was an Indian. Wow. This and is recent too, right? This that was, was in the last five years or no, something? No, no, this was two thousand uh, Six ish, maybe two thousand. Okay. It was whenever that first trial, because they have another trial going on, right? Or another
0: court I, case. I meant the federal trial. I meant the you. I'm not like the. There's the brand is has a presence in state prisons, but it's usually just California and Texas. But in the feds, they're all over the country. Yeah. So at FCI Tucson, what were the white boys? You say it was the skinheads. Um, did you get into dope dealing when you were in there? Yeah
1: fuck yeah wow. i was
0: dope dealing immediately how does that look in prison
1: uh like how did it, how did it work like how did we get it or what do you mean all of it yeah um uh, we, we we didn't get shit from the cops bro we the majority of the time the shit was getting um if it's getting flown in you know or thrown over the fence mm. drone I don't know if we don't want to expose that right are there any drone <laughs> dro- drone action? Nah, but bro, we was getting fucking balls thrown over that fence this fucking big. In tennis it's, balls? In softballs, bro. Tennis balls was a small ball. <laughs> we was trying to get pounds thrown that motherfucker. cell phones. Fucking, wow. bro, it was it like at one point, dog, I'm sitting in my cell. No, I'm sitting in front of my cell. So my cell was on the top tier and my homeboy's uh, cell kind of went back to like the access of the roof. Mm. So it was kind of like in the cubby hole. So this, one of these big moves, the cops said somebody snitched on us. Somebody's throwing shit over the fence. And then they said, and the white dudes walked into fucking, uh, mesquite our unit. So I'm sitting on this motherfucking top tier being the point man. And the fucking cop comes in and he looks up to me and says, don't move. And he, j- and he's just doing this and fucking the next cop, Goes walking up and these dudes on the other side of the fucking TV room are tattooing. So they see him in there fucking jumping around mm. and thinking they're doing something. So they raid their house. And meanwhile, we're over here with the fucking mother load, bro. That's oh, how it was like man, that you got, fucking close. That close to be caught with bro, a ball of dope. A fu- we had a pound of weed in that motherfucker. Heroin, cell phones, bro. Oh, we had it all in one shit. fucking room. And but you, we didn't have no choice. I mean, we didn't think somebody was going to snitch on us four yeah. seconds after we come in right. the fucking yard. Right. Holy shit. No, dude, we, that, I'm telling you, that's, we was fucking, that's real, We tried that's to real have that shit. place like it was the streets, bro. So you were moving product, you were eating. We were fucking doing good in that place, bro. How, how much were you making
0: off of selling dope in prison? Well,
1: bro, honestly, in the, in those level facilities, it doesn't last long. Because people are telling on everybody, yeah. it was like uh, it 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 wasn't like as beneficial as you would think, especially on that yard, man. We just mm-hmm. was able to have fun, party. It was like, bro. But how do you pay for a pound of dope, though? It's still not free. Oh, you I can't, know. But you, you can't have trade. Some, we have our people out there. Somebody goes home
0: yeah. that right. that
1: we tell the whole yeah. the whole rundown with. You mm-hmm. know, this is when we call and tell you to go here, homie. You just go. Don't ask why. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. We don't want to be all long winded yeah. on the telephone and, yeah. and all that type of stuff. Yeah. And these people are in at uh, bruh, these fools are getting fucking Bammer weed. Yeah. So it ain't like it's some big ass. Motherfuckers um, are smoking toothpicks in there and getting high yeah. and they don't care about the weed. You're not right. going to have a pound of chronic thrown over the fucking fence right. because at yeah. that time it was probably four grand or something. Mm-hmm. Now it's it's different, but but,
0: but you still got to turn a profit. You got to have,
1: it was like, uh, were you using cash or were you trading? I mean, we was doing the stamps thing. Yeah. You know, yeah, everybody stamps. does stamps, but a lot of times the we'd have uh, street to street, you mm-hmm. know, when your people come and visit, yep. you have your people send you money. Yeah. And mainly bro, it was just to where we could sit on them, I, the, the computers all day and do whatever the fuck we want. Yeah. Excuse me. Talk on cell phones. Yeah. I mean, bro, that, that I tell all the, the guys that we was in that institution with, there will never be another group or another way that a prison was ran the way we had that ran bro i had guys telling me after i left they was like dude motherfucking cops was pulling us over talking about maddie ain't here no more you you guys ain't getting away with this shit (laughs) we're putting a stop to this bro we had it it was it was it was like no matter how how much i hype up how good we had it in that fucking institution it could never compare to actually how yeah how well we had it. wow
0: wow you uh, think
1: you had it unlocked compared to the other races oh yeah wow bro these fools look it. so white I, boys know how to bid bro so i i got i went in to get um put in for a transfer to go to a drug program facility and this was like a saturday so i'm i'm like my counselor calls me over there i'm like yeah i want to go to uh oxford wisconsin for the drug program and he's like you're from California. I said, well, I got an address right here. And I gave my address to some house for sale that I found and fucking, or had my brother find. So, uh, this is Saturday. So Sunday, Monday, he's off Tuesday. This fool comes in and says, you're, you're, you're designated. And I'm like, you're fucking kidding me. So I go in there and I'm talking to the, uh, food administrator and he's like, I'm actually surprised it took that long. I'm surprised they didn't get rid of you a long time ago. He goes, they hold you fucking responsible for every bad thing that happens on this yard. You, one fucking person. If the black dudes got dope, they fucking are trying to throw you in that mix somehow. Somehow you you made that happen. But you never got popped with any dope. Never. Wow. Thank God. Never. Do they usually no.
0: charge people? Like At what level of quantity inside of prison do they give you another charge for, in your estimation?
1: Uh, fuck, bro. I think it depends. I mean, I think depends they always, drug, too. yeah. They probably always send that shit out. Yeah. And then, bruh, but like at the end of the sentences, people were getting more money off tobacco. Yeah. So like that told markup on tobacco kind of took over the drug trade, right? Because you could buy a ten-gat a ten-dollar bag of tobacco and sell it for a thousand dollars. Crazy. Bro, guards are driving new trucks. Are, oh, yeah, and, bro, yeah. It's wild. It's Man. wild. Everybody started. I Man, think It's not I, even a new charge. It's yeah. not even a new dope charge. It's no, just a whole shot. It's contraband. Yeah. 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 If, even if you go to the hole, you might not even go to the hole for yeah. no tobacco. Exactly. But yeah. wow. So you really, damn, you really had it good in there. Bro, state prison too. State prison, we, we had fucking, me and my celly had boxes under the bed of food and we had, uh, fucking irons to cook our food mm. on and wow bro we we
0: we Did had you it. have
1: it better in prison than you had it on the streets um like I serious mean, it was easier bro yeah if that's what you're asking for me prison was easy i came home and was shoved into the mm. reality fast and you're talking i was 37 years old before mm-hmm. i had to pay car insurance fucking mm-hmm. mortgages and mm-hmm. Anything like that, bro? Yeah, so. you were the scariest kind of dude to be around in prison. Somebody
0: was like, "Look at how much fun we're having." Oh yeah, and I, that would make me like say, "Mitchell, you got to get the fuck out of here, <laughs> stat!" And don't hit the ground. Do not running. associate with this guy. Yeah, just 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 because like I would feel like such a loser. Like I would I would I'd would be so terrified that I was going to become that. Yeah, because I did notice it start to get kind of comfortable, like the longer and more used to it I got. So I had to remind myself, like, no 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 no. You're gonna get out of here and and make something of yourself. Yeah. So I had to consciously like train my mind. Oh yeah. Well you probably probably had scary. a business
1: attitude before you went there. Of course. Of course. So, yeah. I, I should have just... been
0: I should have been in the feds. I should have been around businessmen, you know? Yeah. But I was was going to make all the right plugs, bro. (laughs) I know (laughs) that that's, that's the other dangerous thing though, is I had people
1: like, Hey, when you get out, oh, here's my number. I had, it was different. Like the state that never happened Mm -mm. Uh, in the feds, whole different story. Just make connections. Them guys are like, yeah. And then they see how you carry yourself or Mm -hmm. you're different than these other fucking cats, man. Like I, I seen people go up to the cartel dudes and be like, hypothetically speaking, if somebody had a hundred grand, what could we make happen? And this dude was like, nothing, motherfucker. I work with metric tons. You're over here talking about a hundred grand. Yeah. And he said that in a room full of everybody, bro. I was mm-hmm. like, God damn. <laughs> yeah, I ain't never bringing up a hundred grand
0: like it's <laughs> nothing. Yeah,
1: right? Yeah. So you get out,
0: you go to the drug program.
1: I, I went to the drug program in uh, the RDAP. So the feds have that little RDAP program that gets you a year knocked off your sentence. Right. So I went to that. Then I came home. How long did you, did you spend your whole stretch at Tucson? No, then I went to,
0: I went to Wisconsin for the RDAP program. I see. Okay. Got it. So, but the majority of your time was in Tucson. Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So you didn't have to move around, which is nice. Yeah. Moving around is the worst. So how long did you do off at of 12 and a half?
1: Uh, 10. Okay. So I got arrested in um, September of 04 and October of 04, I was released into probation October 14
0: yeah gotcha Wow, 10 exactly
1: yeah yeah so you came home where does the rap come in so I've always (laughs) I've always loved rap bro and I know that it seems like uh, like I'll have people in my fucking comment sections like man stop faking about uh stop faking who you are or whatever i'm like motherfucker i'm a white boy bro and i've grew up listening to rap so what the fuck do you want me to to, what kind of music do you want me to make country is that not like uh doing what they're saying i'm doing by being a a rap artist like i'm faking so if i'm not from the fucking country how do i go make country music you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i'm from the bay area bro where everybody listens to fucking hip-hop and uh I just love rap music and and honestly bro before like when I was in um Wisconsin I never thought I was coming home you know what I mean because of all the fame shit that was going on uh while I was incarcerated like murder cases were were happening my best friend went into the witness protection you know so I was like and you know, the feds are famous for waiting till the last minute to come and pick you up and then add more charges yeah. because why would they come early? Right. So this whole time that I'm in Wisconsin, I was just miserable. It was the worst fucking time I'd ever wow. done, bro. And it was the end of my sentence. Wow.
0: And so you assumed you were going to get roped in. I assumed that to... I was
1: never going home. Wow. So, um, so when did you start rapping? Did you start rapping when you were inside? I started writing. Okay. So while I was there, the only thing that like Brought peace to my mind, bro, was writing. And mm-hmm. I would write like spoken word type shit because I didn't know how to write onto a beat. I wish I would have because at that time they had the little MP3s that I could have been downloading rap beats right. to and writing and all that. So I was just writing with no music in- involved. It was just like writing gangster poetry every fucking day, bro. Right. I spent hours and hours and hours just writing. Wow. And then, uh, my my brother had tried to get us into rap a long time ago as probably a way out or whatever. And I mean, both of us just love rap, bro. But so I came home, I had a couple kids. Uh, my kids, mom was, uh, fucked up on alcohol and prescription pills. So we ended up like I kicked her out. I moved in with my brother and then I started making music. Um, we went to some fucking crack house bro one time and I, I learned how to write to the beat to whereas before it was like, okay, I'm going to write this, this song. And then when I'm going there with the producer and he's going to have to punch me in every line, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was a, but then once I, I taught myself, it's like this, bro. The only thing up until I was 37 that I thought that I could do well was sell drugs. It was my comfort zone. You know what I mean? So then once I started being able to write, and realized that I actually could write music, bro, it like, it like changed my life. It was like, um, I mean, you got to imagine, imagine you never being able to ride a bike and you jump on that bike and realize that you could ride that bike Mm -hmm. like fucking, yeah, like you're good at it. So you had a knack for it pretty much right away. Yeah. And it just, it makes me feel as close to the game as I want to be. You know what I mean? It's like, I could talk about all my experiences. Mm -hmm. I could relive, Mm -hmm. uh, all the, the crazy shit that I went through. Through my music. Right. It's kinda like being
0: an Alcoholics Anonymous. You get to talk about the old days. Exactly. So you don't have to go back yeah. to them. Yeah,
1: but I you know what I never looked at that like that. That's why I do this podcast. That's a fucking clever way <laughs> of fucking uh viewing that, man. That's a, uh, that's dope. But yeah, that's 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 my that's why I love the music. Yeah. It keeps me sane, bro. You know what I mean? Like uh My mind is one of those minds, man, that just like, if, if I don't have something constant to constantly to look forward Mm -hmm. to, or like keep my brain busy, it starts doing the -hmm. worst things that it can do. You know what I mean? I get right back to starting from fucking scratch and before, you know, it, I'm looking for a bag and yeah. So you've been rapping for 10 years. I've been rapping for five. I didn't start when I first came home. Oh, wow. So this was, this was like five years ago. Oh, so you're doing well for how new you are. Yeah. You know? But, I mean, and that's another thing. I feel like because of the street credibility, like, um, it's easy for people where I'm at to be like, this dude is not bullshit. And, you know, in right. rap music, right. the authenticity of course. flourishes. Of course. Yeah. And so, that was,
0: yeah. Like, I couldn't go be a
1: gangster rapper. Yeah. You know, it just wouldn't sell. Oh, yeah. And, bro, I've, <laughs> I've tried to ask my producer one time. I was like, bro, I need you to get in here because this fool... Like his uh ability to do hooks and all that type of shit is dope. I was like, go in there and talk about some gangster shit for me. And he was mm-hmm. like, I can't go in there and talk gangster shit, bro. I ain't never lived that life. Uh-huh. And I respected it. I was like, bro, this is music. Doesn't matter. I don't want to do that. I was like, all right. <laughs> no, but it's
0: it's like in the in your videos, you guys are pointing guns and you can tell them shits are real yeah. and you got the Irish flags yeah. draped over you. Like it's a it's a brand. Yeah. It's a really good, it's you see how with just a little more exposure, like you're going to hit something. Yeah. You know, it's real good rap. And, and you don't rap like traditional Bay area rappers. I don't think, you no. know, obviously E 40 is the, you know, invented like the fast rap, like the, you know, the soliloquies. I and get off syllables. your head like a, yeah, what, yeah, there, there. exactly. You're not using that. So you're not derivative, which nah. is great. You want to be your own person, but like who were your Bay
1: area? Matt Trey, of course. Right. Period. Of course, that's my only Bay Area. Yeah, Yeah. bro. When I went to prison in 2004, there was no debate. There was no fucking who is the man. He was in 2000. He was the biggest Bay Area. He was a Bay Area legend before he got killed. Fuck yes, bro. When I was in the Utah County Jail, and people were telling me they didn't know who Mac Dre was, bro, I thought these motherfuckers were aliens. Square. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. How the fuck do you not know who Mac Dre is, bro? Did you ever know him from the street or anything? No unfortunately nah but my entire life was in fucking jail bro yeah. from the time i was 20 to 37 i had two years free so it was just like yeah i was always
0: was it hard to? was and, it hard
1: to stay away from the the dope game when you first came yeah. home bro imagine having everything you want coming home and have to drive for uber right you know what i mean that shit hurt my pride bro mm-hmm. i was fucking sick believe me There was many nights that I sat and, and to this, like I had uh, one of my homeboys that passed away uh, from Ohio and bro, we started, I know that this fool was a hustler and I was like, let's focus this energy somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So we started trying to do like home flips or whatever, but he got, he uh, passed away in a car accident before that could happen. Mm. But I know. That that direction was going to go from that motherfucking thing to the other direction, bro, because I was needing it. He was needing it. It was just Mm. like we was starving for for that that hustle. Yeah. So, I mean, bro, there was it was every night when I came home for the first two or three years, I wanted to sell drugs. bro. And you're in the perfect environment for it. You're back in your old squalor. But but this was my first time coming home, bro, where everybody wasn't selling drugs. You know what I mean? So what a change. My, my brother was uh, working in the refineries. My sister was doing teeth. So it wasn't like previous. So like it's hard to come home and do right when you come home and everybody's doing wrong. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You're seeing everybody have right. money and yeah. doing whatever the fuck they want. And yeah. you're getting up at five in the morning, going to work every fucking day, struggling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what, what do you think was different? Do you think it's because everybody used to roll kids, with? My kids. Ah, right. My kids, bro. My son, Matthew, bro. I'd I'd lay in there and I'd be like, man, how am I going to do this if I go to fucking jail and I got to like raise this kid? And I knew that they wanted me. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? My probation officer made it clear. He's like, bro, we're going to watch you for the rest of your fucking life just because of the amount of drugs you got busted with. Mm -hmm. It's just going to there is always going to be that constant. So it was like, how do I do this? how do I tell my homeboy? Okay. I'm going to get a burner burner phone. And I don't know. It was just like, but laying in bed at night, bro, I thought about my son and I was like, I don't, I don't want to be away from this little rascal ever. Mm-hmm. And this is going to keep me away for forever. And the mm-hmm. next time it ain't going to be like, Oh, let's try to figure out a way to give you 150 months because the traffic law was fucked up. Yeah. And it was,
0: yeah. Yeah. It was like, you turn yourself around like your own father turned himself around. Yeah, Exactly. For my kids, bro. Do you think your mom being gone helps yeah.
1: keep you away from the game? Bro. So when I got to the halfway house, I didn't know how to use the cell phone, like the map quest thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we was still on the Nextel shit in 2004. <laughs> yep. Hit, where you at or whatever yep. the fuck it was. So I go, they give me these little directions on how to get to the the meetings I have to go to, and I got lost. So I'm downtown, mad as fuck. Matter and the hornet, bro. And I called my sister. I said, I'm fucking done with this shit. I, I don't know how to ride public transportation. You know, I don't know how to to do any of this shit, and i'm I'm over it. I don't want to do this no more. And I know that if my mom was home, my mom wouldn't have been like, call Clint, my my sister's husband, and I call my my sister's husband. He's like, bro, you got fucking directions on your phone. Relax. <laughs> it's not that serious. <laughs> he's like, call the drug counselor and and explain the uh-huh. situation. And, uh, but I, bro, and this was like two weeks in two weeks of being free. And I was like, nah, I don't want to do this no more. So if my mom would have been home, bro, I think it would have been different. Yeah. Unfortunately. And I I don't want to like make my mom out to, my Mm. mom was a beautiful person, bro. Took in people. She was just, uh, my mom had a good heart, but she like my dad, my dad corrupted that woman's mind and she just Mm. ran with it. What happened to your mom's old gang
0: her old people
1: that you used to see growing up uh fuck man they all passed away like or locked up or locked up yeah They're did going. you see anybody around you get life oh yeah my cousin got life um bro all like yeah all kinds of people i grew up around are spending their whole lives in prison over murders murders yeah, yeah um what is Rodeo like today oh man Rodeo is just not what it used to be bro it's like a a bunch of homeless people it's just like um it's not it's not it's not Rodeo no more man it's just like uh I don't know if you could figure out a, a place down here where it's just like you go there and it's just a homeless people are everywhere and I don't know, it's just like places are shutting down that have been there forever mm-hmm. and it's just like even though they try to change it and put like little fancy things in front of the in in uh like road dividers and it's just it's just not the same man. It's like Well, it doesn't sound like it used to be.
0: Uh I mean, you grew up in a gang meth-infested yeah. place. I mean, is it
1: worse than that? Uh Yeah, it's worse because now it's like it's ran down, bro. When we when we was growing up, it's like the crank hadn't and just devastated the town right you know what i mean it was like an isolated issue where these guys up here were selling drugs and you had the projects was doing Mm -hmm. whatever they was doing but Mm -hmm. like where else right wasn't like you had big drug dealers in viewpoint you know what i mean so it was just like uh i don't know man it's hard it's kind of crazy because i felt like my dad controlled a lot of the the ignorant shit you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like motherfuckers tweakers and all that type of shit wouldn't even come up to the neighborhood they'd be scared of my dad right so So, yeah because crank crank smokers or users weren't tweakers yeah now it's all now they're tweakers right so it's just it's uh everything has changed man so Mm -hmm. it's like if i was from anywhere i'm sure it would be like oh this is just different now Mm -hmm. especially after you come home and and i was in oakland in the hills for seven months or my halfway house shit And it was actually nice out there. So then I go to fucking Rodeo and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. This doesn't even seem like the town that I remember as a little kid. Yeah. Wow. What a fascinating
0: story about like small town America, even though it's part of this like huge urban rich place. Like it's, it's a different fucking world. It's the other side of California. Yeah. People think Cali and they think the beautiful coast they think san francisco hollywood san diego surfers but then you go enough not, inland not anywhere outside of california right but then you go enough inland man just yeah. just 40 miles inland and you have a different
1: fucking yeah. world right yeah. when you get like in the feds bro and you tell people you're from california you're the pe- person that they want to know right the mother like, hold on, bro. You're the connect. Right. We right. want to get to know you. But what a, what a fascinating story. We've never had anyone
0: like you on here, man. man so, that's dope. so, uh, look, you're the real deal. Matty boy,
1: uh, shout yourself out, tell the people where they can go find your music, man. Look for me. Matty boy everywhere. Uh, on uh, some of the social medias, it's like Maddie Boy417, because Matty Boy's already taken. But like streaming, YouTube, everything, it's Maddie Boy. Hell yeah, dude. That's what's up. Are you are you are you play live shows? <laughs> yeah. I just did my uh like the biggest live show I I've done so far, like a month ago. But it's kind of hard, bro. Like my my uh following and the majority of everybody else's following in the hip hop community is kind of uh it's kind of different. You know what I mean? I got a bunch of fucking crazy white boy bikers and all this yeah. shit come to the show. It's well, like, look, that's the niche. So
0: just start from there, right? Yeah. Like Like that's how all the Bay Area rappers, you know, Too Short was selling out, you know, hell tapes yeah. out of his hell trunk. Yeah. So you just got to get that E-40 feature, man. Yeah, we got to figure yeah. out how to do that. I see, <laughs> I see that one cat had the 49ers anthem song. Oh, man, bro. That shit blew up, right? Dude,
1: my homeboy is the one that recorded that. Uh, video yeah that's your people sent it <laughs> to yeah, me yeah and
0: he got had 40 on there and the whole bay is loving it yeah hell yeah and like th- that's why the bay area is cool is because you can actually get on and kind of blow up just from local yeah support
1: well and my my partner vidal who who uh works close with cosmo another cosmo's like a producer that's got songs with uh Benny the Butcher and, uh-huh. and like classic shit. He works on burners albums all the time, mm. so I I I've, I've got like associated with certain people like that through yeah. other people, and you know I think I think in the the Bay Area my name is vibing right now, so it it, yeah. it ain't gonna be too long. Before. Keep pushing, man. Yeah, hell yeah, fucking
0: yeah, that's dope. All that's right, Maddie boy. Well, we're gonna switch over uh, talk on the Patreon for a little bit and then get you out of here. Uh, but it was a pleasure.
1: Yeah, likewise, man. Thank I you, had brother. A good
0: time. Hell yeah, me too. Peace out, guys.